Hi, friend. I don't know what brought you to Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, but if I had to guess, it was probably your own pain story. In fact, maybe you recently found us in the work that we do because you're going through some kind of trauma, tragedy, or major life transition. Uh, maybe you've recently gotten the phone call with the unexpected diagnosis, or you've lost a loved one, or you found out about your spouse's sexual betrayal. Maybe your grief is extremely fresh, and right now you're wondering, well, what, what do I even do? How do I move forward? What, what am I supposed to do right now? Listen, I, I've been there. And we know how the early days after loss or receiving the diagnosis or getting that unexpected news or learning about a betrayal or whatever it is you're facing, we know that life in those moments can be extremely disorienting and, and difficult. It's hard to think about anything but how to survive from minute to minute in this, uh, you know, I almost hate this term, but in this new normal. We want to help you as you enter into life, uh, that especially when it takes this different direction than what you've ever imagined. Now, we have a course called Pain to Purpose course, and we know that it's so helpful for those who have had a, a handful of months to already process their pain, but we knew we needed something for those who have just found themselves in the middle of it, like their lives have just flipped upside down. And, and so we've created this new four-session mini course called When Everything Changes, Navigating the Early Days of Loss, Trauma, and Tragedy. Now, in this course, you'll hear from me as well as our Nothing Is Wasted podcast co-host, Aubrey Sampson, and our community director, Amy Sylvester. And we're going to be talking about practical ways to support yourself during this season. We'll talk about how to lament and, and what you need in order to take the first steps forward after your life is forever changed. Now, the sessions are intentionally concise because when you're processing trauma or grief, it can be very difficult to engage with a whole lot of information. But within these sessions, you'll get the encouragement to know you're not alone in, in what you're feeling, as well as some practical next steps on what to do in the aftermath of your pain. This isn't some theoretical idea on how to deal with what you're going through. It's real tried and true wisdom from others who have been where you are and have gone through cataclysmic shifts in their lives. I wish I would have had this kind of practical wisdom in the beginning of my own pain to purpose journey, but I'm so excited that we get to share this resource with you. It's the exact resources that I needed. And so in order to access this, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash everything changes. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash everything changes. And you can purchase this course or better yet, you can join community plus at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. And you can access this in addition to all of our other resources behind our content library immediately. Look, I'm so sorry for the pain that you're walking through, and I want to encourage you that you can walk through this with hope, and life it can have hope again, even when everything changes. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm a guest host today. I'm Vanitha Reisner, and I'm joined um, this morning with my co-host, whose podcast this is, Davey Blackburn. Hey! So it, it feels weird <laughs> to be introducing Davey to you, but... That's okay. That was wonderful, Vanitha. That was so good. It's. It, I bet it feels... I, I've never 
introduced anybody else's podcast before. <laughs> this is, I mean, I could get used to this. You know, I could interview I everybody. Mean, yeah. Well, you did a great job because today you interviewed Inez Franklin and that was awesome. Uh, I'm so excited for our community to listen to this. It's just... It, hmm. it was really good. I mean, she is a, such a warm person with so yeah. much wisdom. And we talked about a lot of things that have made me think um, a lot about the topic of shame, Davey, which mm. I don't think we talk enough about in the Christian community. And I, I think in our culture, sort of this cancel culture that we have at times, that if we've done something wrong, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of, your voice is gone. And and Ines really believed that for a long time. And yeah. just the way God brought her freedom, I think is gonna be so helpful to listeners who feel like they've made a mistake and mm. what is God gonna use them after that? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so often on this podcast, we talk about people who have wronged us and how do we come back right. from that? Right. But it's such an important thing to bring up. If we have wronged somebody else, how do we come back from that? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Or if we've made a self-destructive decision, how do we yes. come back from that? You know, because shame tends to encroach our lives in both of those areas. And, you know, we talk about in the Pain to Purpose course, the four perpetrators of pain. Where we where can we blame pain? You know, where where's the blame? And we talk about, you know, the first one is uh, our own sinful choices. Mm-hmm. Right. So many of us, we're living in the fallout or the consequences of, of our own sinful choices. And that brings about a lot of pain. The second one is other people's sinful choices. The third one is that we live in a fallen and broken world. So we just are caught yeah. up in the unraveling of this world because of the curse of sin. And then the fourth one is a spiritual attack mm. that, that you may have a spiritual target on your back from the enemy. And so he is trying to cause or inflict pain in your life, which by the way, like... None of those things was God, you know, and God allows those things to happen in our life. And he uses those things then to teach us, to make us more into the image of Jesus. Pain and suffering is an inevitable thing in our lives. It's going to happen. Jesus said so. You will have sorrow in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so, but to your point, you know, we spend so much time talking about those other three that we don't often talk about, okay, what happens if I've made a decision and I... And now I'm living in the consequences of that, the fallout, the, and, and now I'm experiencing pain. How do, I, how do I get released or free from this shame? How do I yes. step forward? And the enemy wants to paralyze you. He wants to get you stuck. And so it is, we have to figure out a way to get untethered from that shame so we can move forward. You guys talk about this quite a bit in your conversation. It's so good. So Yeah, good. I mean, I, I think... We often don't see there's purpose to the pain that we've we've caused in some ways. Mm. We we separate that wow. and we wow. we don't see that God's going to use that. And yet God uses everything. Man. And that's what's so incredible about our God, our mistakes, our failures, our sin. Yeah. God is going to use it and we just need to see, you know, repent for our sins and believe that God can use those things. And I think yeah. Ines is a great example of that's the basis of her ministry is wow, right. God uses broken people who have really sinned as we all yeah. have. And wow, what a ministry she has. Yeah, it's so good. Well, she leads a ministry called Trochia Ministries. Yeah. She's the founder and president of that. It's a discipleship, online discipleship ministry. Uh, we have a link there so you guys can get tuned into the stuff that she does. She's also a teaching pastor at Mariner's Church in California. And she has just released a book called Unchartered, Navigating Your Unique Journey of Faith. We'll make sure we put links in the show notes to all of those things or right there below this YouTube video. Um, 
But Vanessa, let's let's dive into your conversation with Inez. This is going to be a good one. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I am so excited about our conversation today, just to hear your heart and what God has done in your life. Um, well, before we get started, or as we get started, I'd just love for you to share just a little bit about yourself with our audience, where you are in your life right now, and then we'll dive into your story. Thank you. First of all, thank you. Thank you for having me. It is truly a privilege, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Uh I am a teaching pastor at Mariner's Church in Irvine, California. Um, I also have a ministry, an online ministry that is a discipleship ministry. Both my husband and I are passionate about discipleship and helping people grow in their faith. And so that's really the biggest part of my time is doing that. I write courses and teach courses on theology. And I just recently published my first book. So I am learning the journey of uh, going around and sharing that message. Uh, with others um, beyond the, the Orange County bubble that I've been in. And so, yeah, that's what I do now. I, I am, um, my husband and I have a blended family of five children and nine grandchildren. And so that's another, oh, actually the highlight and the joy of my life is our family and our grandchildren. And again, we live in Irvine, California. Oh, great. Thank you for giving us that background. Um, I'd love to just uh, dive into your your story, just when you were a child growing up, you faced a lot of challenges and blessings, um, but I'd love to just hear about, yeah, just your early life. Yes. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, which is an island in the Caribbean. It's, it's a commonwealth of the U.S. So I was born a U.S. citizen, but Puerto Rico has its own very distinct culture. And of course, we speak Spanish there. And my uh, mother raised all seven of us on her own. My father left when just shortly after I was born and while my mom was pregnant with my younger brother. So I'm number six of seven. And my mom had rebelled against the church. She uh, felt like everyone was a hypocrite at church and she didn't want to go there because they would all act very religious. And the minute they walked out, they were gossiping and doing awful things. So I didn't go to church, but my abuelita, my grandmother, was the one who wanted to give us um, a foundation of faith. She was a faithful woman of God. And so she took us, she took me to catechism, which is basically Sunday school uh, in, the, in the Roman Catholic church. And the very first class, I learned that God created everything, that there was nothing before He created it. And I was just fascinated by that. I quickly asked the question, well, if God created everything, there was nothing before He created it, where was He standing? And that seemed like a pretty reasonable question. <laughs> However, uh, the nun felt that I had uh, expressed a lack of faith. Uh, and in a way, I had made God small. I made him in my image, right? I could picture a God, an old man floating in the air. So I was trying to make God into a human form. I get that. But she did chastise me in front of everyone. And, and the reason I share that story, and I, there's more to the story that I write in my book, but the reason I share that story is because that became my foundation foundation for my faith. This idea that God was real and He existed, but you couldn't question Him and you couldn't have, you, you were not allowed to ask any questions or have any doubts because then that was sacrilegious. She sent me to the back of the church to pray for forgiveness for my sin. And that 
that and another experience after that, which was supernatural, I actually got to hear the voice of God at a young age, left me with this sense of God is huge, He is powerful, He is mighty, He's in control, and He wants me to just endure this life, and I don't like this. I don't like this world. I was already suffering not having a father. I had an alcoholic uncle who was very mean and abusive towards my aunt, and I watched that. I saw awful things happen, and so I thought, this world is terrible. Why don't we leave it and go and be with God? But God's rules didn't allow for that, and so I left this relationship with God in, on the shelf. And although I believed in Him and I learned the Lord's Prayer and every so often I would pray the Lord's Prayer, the reality was I had no relationship with God. I never read the Bible. I went off doing life to endure and survive and try to get out of poverty. We grew up in very, very severe poverty. And I went off to be successful and to uh, remove myself from that painful past. Well, in 33 years of that mindset of independence and um, and doing it my way, I did so many things along the way that I now look back and I'm saddened about. I'm sad that I made these choices from that worldview of my own wisdom or my own definition of what is good and my lack of trust in a loving God. And by the time I turned 40, I was, I had been divorced twice. I had two abortions as a young woman. I, my son, God went deep into drug addiction after my second divorce. And if that wasn't bad enough, I ended up having an affair with my boss. And when our affair and our relationship started, which he wanted us to get married and I was hitting my deepest low. I lost 25 pounds in just a couple months. And I just, I felt so lost. And he said, out of nowhere, he said, hey, um, let's go to church. And I thought, okay, my life is such a mess. Maybe, maybe this is the answer. Maybe there's something there. And so I went to church with them and the day, we, we actually visited different churches every Sunday for a while because we had moved to a new area and we, we, we didn't know what church to go to. And honestly, I didn't know any church would accept, accept us or especially accept me. And so we went to different churches every Sunday and said, no, 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 no. And then finally on October 20th, 2002, we walked into Mariner's church and the pastor was teaching on John chapter four. The woman who met Jesus at the well, who had been divorced multiple times, was living with a man who was not her husband. And he showed her love and grace and he revealed himself to her. And she got to share the good news and the message. And by her testimony, many came to believe. And I was like, okay, maybe there is a place for me. And so we kept coming to church and we started, I started reading the Bible for the first time in my life. And yes, I had tried to read the Bible in the past because I had my, actually my abuelita gave me her Bible. But, you know, I started in Genesis and read Genesis one a million times and maybe got to Genesis three or four or something. And then I would lose interest and there it was. And, but this time, I, I read the whole Bible and I started to see um, really the the way of God, the, the wisdom of God and my brokenness. And I was convicted of my sin, deeply convicted and gave my life to Jesus. And then it's been a journey. Ever since then, it's been a journey. It's crazy to me to think now, 20 years later, that I teach at this church and that 
my husband is an elder and that we are we are serving people that um that my sin has been forgiven and I don't have to live in shame. And it's not that the journey has been easy. We've got, there are consequences for our actions. And so I deal with that and I, I trust God to help me through that. But I am, I just can't say it loud enough. Like the women at the well, come and see the man who knew everything about me. And yet he loved me and look what he's done. Ah. What an amazing thing that God had that story, which we know was, you know, his providence for you and just how God meets us so personally. Well, you mentioned sort of living with the consequences of your story. And I'm guessing that, especially now, sort of, but even then brought a lot of shame. I would love for you to just talk about how did you sort of disentangle that sense of shame and God's grace for you? Yes. When we first uh, started coming to church, I, I really think this was the Holy Spirit or maybe the condition of our heart at the time. I, I want to give God the credit, but the the decision both Jim and I made was to be very honest with our story. So we did not, people would ask us, we would, we would meet so many new people. And of course, the question people ask, how did you two meet? I remember we would be at dinners, you know, where we got invited to a dinner and everyone's going around talking about the relationship. And it seemed like I look back now and I've been to many, many dinners where there are new people and people don't ask that question today, but I'm convinced the Holy Spirit was putting this in everyone's heart to ask that question. So we would tell our story. I'm convinced because it seemed like, my goodness, is this the topic of every dinner conversation? And because it, we, it always caused us to go, oh my goodness, here it comes. Here comes the wave. We have to tell our story. And so, and we did. And we did it in tears and and deep, deep shame. And the whole dinner mood changed dramatically because of course, everyone's talking about, oh, I met him at 16. And it was, you know, they have these beautiful stories. And we were meeting people who had been married 35 years and 40 years and these amazing stories. And here comes ours. And it was just an ugly mess. And yet we chose to tell the story. And so the challenge, of course, was that we were trapped in shame for quite a long time. I would say, you know, four to seven years. I, I, I can't tell you exactly. I have to look back, but um, we we kept going back to that sense of like, oh, we are so unlovable, so unusable by God. Look what we've done. These people are amazing. God has plenty of good people to use for his purposes. He doesn't need a mess like us. And what generally happened is that we were asked, uh, my husband was asked to be an elder at the church. And we, he was like, no, I, hello, let's sit down and let me tell you our story. You're choosing the wrong person. This is a big church with a great deal of options. So don't ask me. And the gentleman who met with us said, you don't believe in grace. That's how he put it to us. And by the way, he pointed his finger at us in our face. You don't believe in grace. And I was like, well, yes, I do. That's why I'm coming to church. He's like, no, you don't. You don't understand. You're behaving as though some part of what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. That somehow you have to carry this cross, that you have to punish yourself and that you are now not lovable, that what he did didn't make you right with God. Man, did that hit hard. I mean, of course, we're like a pool of tears. And that began a journey. 
And then we went to Israel and our pastor took us to the Sea of Galilee where Peter, somewhere around there, Peter uh, went back to fishing after he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus came to him and said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and you know, of course, Peter's like, of course I do. But Jesus is like, well, then come, follow me. Come and, t- you know, do the work that I, I set aside for you, right? Come and, and feed my sheep. And I rem- when we went there, the pastor said, you have to leave something behind here. Peter had to leave that behind. You need to leave something behind. And then my pastor looked at Jim and I, of course, we were already crying, and said, you two have to leave shame behind. And so, you know, he looked at my husband and says, we've been asking you to be an elder of this church and you keep saying no. And Jesus is asking you, do you love me? Will you come and follow me? And so we had to take a a rock from the Sea of Galilee on on the ocean there. I mean, on the ocean, on the sea, on the side and throw it into the Sea of Galilee as a representation of leaving something behind. And we were looking for the largest boulder that we could find so that we could like, shame was so big to us. And we just like, how do we leave this behind? It's so big. And so, of course, we couldn't find big ones. So we threw two little ones. And although it was still a journey of, of, uh, remembering because we decided that is the day we left our shame. We now have sorrow and sadness, which is appropriate when you look back and you see the mistakes you've made and the consequences that they have caused. We live with the consequences, trusting God to help us through them. But we no longer live in the sense of we are unlovable. We are so broken that God can't use us. Part of me telling my story, I am convinced God keeps putting these opportunities before me. I don't seek them out. They, you know, they come to me because God wants to keep reminding me my grace is enough. I have done it all on the cross, live in that freedom, and then go and be a witness. As he told his disciples, you will be my witnesses everywhere. And so go be my witness and tell the story. And so now, you know, it's been quite a few years of living in that freedom and telling that story and constantly remembering for myself again and again and again, I am free and I'm free indeed. Mm. Oh, praise God. Yes, amen. So I love that your pastor, Jim, is that what his name was? No, my um, husband's name is Jim. My, our oh. pastor is Kenton. Well, he is now our pastor emeritus. Uh, his name is Kenton Bishore. Oh, Kenton. Yeah. Um, just that he was able to really pinpoint that you were not understanding grace. Yeah. I would love to know, did you feel like you received grace from like people around you? Like you said you would tell your story and you know the room got completely silent. I'd love to know what was the reaction when you told people, did it feel like people were judging you or did it feel like they were offering grace, but you didn't want to receive it? Yes, yes, and yes. So yes, there were people who offered grace, um, beautiful grace, so generous grace. Uh, and I would say that's the majority. Um, there were people who were confused and really didn't know what to make of it, to be honest. They were like, okay, you know, especially because where God has called us to is this place of service to Him. Both my husband and I, for now 20 years, we've been very active in the church, especially because God called me to be a teacher, a Bible teacher. I ended up in seminary as part of this calling. That was confusing for some people. How can it be? You, you know, this is what you did and here's what you are. And oh, that doesn't make sense in their head, right? And then there were some that 
that just judge that very small percentage, but definitely some that were like, nope, that's not right. And um, I remember the first time I spoke outside of the country, I spoke in Nairobi, Kenya, and I was at a conference and they asked me to speak on a small breakout session um, on the on radical grace. And so I told the story of the woman at the well, and I told my story. Now, in the uh, Africa, or pretty much in Puerto Rico and China and Asia, you know, those countries are, are, shame-based. And so they don't tell stories like we tend to tell stories here, not that vulnerable. So it was shocking when they hear me talk about being divorced twice and having two abortions and, you know, and they were just like, whoa, what are you doing here? Why, how can you possibly be standing here talking to us? And I, one gentleman stood up and he said, you really are challenging me a woman like you in my church, we would be thrilled that the Lord has saved you and we would rejoice in God for that. But we would ask you to sit at the back of the church and be quiet. And I, I mean, of course, I was pretty shocked by his words, but by then I had already experienced a lot of the, sometimes these few people that would feel like they just could not and I get it. I was in that place for a long time myself, about myself. So I understand the objection 100%. But when he said it, I thank God, God gave me the words. I, in front of all these people, I said, your challenge is really not with me. Your challenge is with Jesus. Because he did that with this woman at the well. And you need to ask him some questions, you know? So I've learned that, that this is not, when I experience that with others, it's coming out of two places. One of them is perhaps they too have shame or fear of being in a position of shame, or they've been hurt by someone deeply, maybe someone like me, someone who's done the very things I've done and they struggle with that pain and they haven't healed. And so they, they look at me and I represent that source. And so I, I have a lot of grace and patience and love for people who get stuck and look at me with judgment. It hurts. Of course it hurts. And I understand that God is all forgiving, um, but sometimes we're not and we've got a ways to go. So... Hey friends, with as many of you guys who are listening to this each week, I know so many of you are carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. Your story has not gone the way that you thought it was going to go. And when we, when we start to process what's happening in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain, not really knowing where to go from here, what to do from here. And uh, you know, I know from experience that we even begin to, to tell ourselves lies like, this is the end of your story, that this will always define you. And trust me, I've been there. But with the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. And nothing is wasted ministries. We exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose from that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take your next step, I'm hosting a free live call just for you. In that call, we're going to talk about the five steps to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. I'm going to share with you a little more of my own journey of how God met me in my valley and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm going to teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. 
The call is going to be right at 60 minutes long, but I promise you, it's going to be well worth your time because in it, you'll learn things like how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of your trying circumstances. Why having more questions than answers may be an essential part of moving forward. How to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're going to talk about the one key decision that you're going to have to take in order to move through your pain and, and beyond it. How to listen to the right voices with when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you quote unquote should do next and listen to me, a whole lot more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain you've experienced, you don't have to stay there. I want to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. Just go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free live call. Or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just click the link at the bottom in the show notes. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up and we're offering multiple date and time options for this live call to work with your calendar. Guys, I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough you need to put you on the redemptive path God has for you. Just open up your browser on your phone right now and go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here or click the link we've included in the show notes of this episode. I'm in your corner and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So what would you say maybe, I'm sure there's people listening who feel shame and maybe are so scared to share their story because they've heard somebody, you know, just kind of raise their eyebrows or say, yeah. wow, that's that's my nightmare. You know, a woman who's who's been unfaithful to her husband, you know, whatever it is. Right. Right. Um, what would you say to somebody who's listening who, who doesn't want to share their story because they don't want to be judged? Yes, yes. Well, I understand the fear. So first of all, I get it. I get it. It is painful when people judge us or when they show contempt towards us because of the things we've done. It's painful. And and I don't minimize that whatsoever. And therefore, sharing our stories has to begin in safe places at first. And so for those who feel like I, I need freedom from the shame and that freedom comes when we first share that story with Jesus, with God. It's the first place to be fully honest with God and release that. I remember when I did, it was actually reading the 10 commandments and realizing I had broken every single one of God's commandments because I do believe that abortion is murder. I do that now. I didn't at the time, but I now I know that now. And I remember thinking, well, I've done everything that God said not to do. And and I confessed that to the Lord and I was on the ground face down asking God for forgiveness. And so I do believe that to the extent we recognize our sinfulness is the extent we can receive His grace. So it starts there. Tell God your story. Be honest with your story. And then there might be a person or two or a group of people that you feel are safe that will extend grace to you where you begin to share your story. And the reason, again, I feel that's important is because it reminds you of the grace that perhaps you already know God is giving you, but you need to see it through other people. You need to, and I think that's just important. Do I like the fact that God likes to work through people? 
Yes and no, right? Because God insists on working through fallible people who don't always get it right, but that is how he works. And he's going to show us his grace through people as well. And so sharing our stories with people who will show us grace will help us experience that grace even deeper. And then beyond that, not everybody has to do what I do. I feel like this is what God called me to do. You don't have to get on a megaphone and told, tell everybody everything. That sometimes is not appropriate. Um, but do we need to share it at some point with some people? Yes, because that's mm. how God works. Yes. So I would encourage you take that first step, whatever, wherever you are on the journey, either talk to God, talk to one person, talk to a group of people, write it down, look at it. You know, just various ways to tell our story, not just telling others. Yeah. And I do think it's so important that we we are candid because we all have stuff we're ashamed of, you know, Amen. because we, we're all fallen and we all, whether we... We do different things, but I would think everybody listening has something that they don't really want paraded in front of the world. Yeah. And yet when people are willing to share their stories, I think it it really gives them permission to say, okay, I can share mine too. So True. I love I your have vulnerability. To tell you, I can't tell you what an incredible freedom I feel. There is nothing hidden in my life. And there's a great freedom in that. And no one can come to me and say, well, I know this about you. Nothing. There's no surprises. It's all out there. Oh my gosh, that's such a good free feeling. Uh, obviously, I have a life to live and I pray to the Lord that he will keep me from doing further damage or further things. So I'm on my knees every day. Um, but I'm on a journey as well. So there's freedom in that. And the other thing too is that what you see in other people when you share your story is so encouraging. Like when I share my story and I hear how people are encouraged, how they are also released from shame, I realize, like you say, God does not waste anything. And he yes. doesn't even waste those really ugly parts of our story. He doesn't even waste that, which is like, come on, that's mind blowing. Yeah. Right? It is. I mean, God uses everything and amazing. I, that's amazing. And yeah. and I can imagine your story just gives people freedom to share whatever their story is. And yeah. so I'd love to talk about your journey um, in, in your book where you talk about your journey. Your, your new book is Uncharted, Navigating Your Own Unique Journey of Faith. And so I think we often look at other people's journeys of faith and think, oh, I wish I had that story. And some people listening might even say, oh, I love Ines's dramatic story. Like people are, she has an audience, people are going to listen to her and they may think their story feels small. So I just love to hear just what you would say to somebody who feels that way. And just tell us about your book at the same time. Yes, yes. So when the Lord called me to be a writer, I thought that's ridiculous. At first I thought I made that up in my head. And, um, but I realized that God was trying to call me towards now, 18 years later, I realized that God was calling me to a ministry of helping people embrace their story, their journey of faith. And the reason for that is because every one of us has a different journey. I mean, when you, when you look at the zygote, the very first cell when human life begins, it's a simple cell, but already it has a DNA that is unique to mom and dad. It's not the same as mom and dad. It has components of it, but that zygote is like no other zygote in the universe. And so it's unique. Every single one of us created in the image of God 
are unique. We share a lot of experiences. We share a lot of commonality, but all, but we are not the same as someone else. And that's intentional. That's God, God created us that way on purpose and for a purpose. And so I've learned, and as I wrote the book, I want people to see like God's desires for every single one of us to be, walk with Him and let Him shine his image through us in the the unique way, whether you have a dramatic story or you don't, it is a God story. And so own it, share it, and watch as God does what only he can do, which is transform hearts through it. Um, And so, yeah, writing the book, it took me some time to realize that, by the way, because I wanted to, here's what I started with, which was I had a messy story. I don't want, I want the other half of my life to be perfect, to have no issues, to have certainty and to be a certain linear path. Of course, it doesn't work out that way. Life isn't like that. And there's suffering and there's questions and there's doubts and there's ambiguity and mystery. And I didn't like any of that. And I didn't want any of that. So I was looking for the formula. What's the formula that's going to keep me from having to deal with all of that? And then I, and of course, comparison was this massive trap because I was always feeling my either better than other people or worse than other people. And that's a miserable place to live in which we cannot live the life abundant that God has for us. And so as I wrote the book, I, I the Lord was ministering to my heart first and then through it, I think now, which is beautiful, I, I watch as he's ministering to others. So if you're listening, your story, your journey is a gift to the world. And so be in it, be fully in it. My book is about doubling down on our commitment to our journey of faith with Jesus, our journey of faith, uh, and that becomes the blessing to the world. Hmm. So what would you say to someone who's like, okay, I, I want to do that. Where do I start? There's a lot of, you know, sort of shame mixed with wonderful things. And, and maybe even people listening now, like, okay, so my life doesn't look super pretty even today. Like I'm yeah. sort of, Two, three steps forward, two steps back. Like, do I do I tell people all about that journey? That's hard, even after I've come to know the Lord. Yes, actually, I, yes, 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 yes. Because there is this tendency to believe, and I believe that too, that once you want, if a follower of Jesus, you, everything's going to be perfect, and it's all going to work out a certain way. And you know, we actually have a harder time showing grace to people who are believers. Like when I share my story, much of my story occurred before I gave my life to Jesus. And so a lot of times people, if they show me grace, it's because, oh, you weren't a believer. That's why, you know, you weren't following Jesus. So, okay, I'm glad you're following Jesus now. Um, But many listeners, I'm sure, and many people I know that I love have had the same failures while they were Christians. They were Christians when they were five and somewhere along the journey in their lives, they made these mistakes. They did did these things. And none of us are below sinning. You know, that is the reality of our human condition. We are tempted in every way. And while Jesus gives us a way out, Sometimes our heart's rebellion says no, and we do things our way. And there's there's grace every day for us and you know, new mercies every single morning. So we are forgiven again and again and again. But sometimes for us Christians, we have a harder time telling our story because we think, oh, I should have known better, you know, and and I did it anyway. So there's a there's extra punishment for people like me. And no, you know, 
you know? And so, yeah, it's for that person who is like, oh, how do I go about this? Again, I take one little step, tell one person, you know, tell one person your story and do be transparent about the journey even now. If it's messy, that's that's part of the beauty of letting others, and maybe some people won't get it because there are people who are terrified of letting others know about their own struggle. But those who also struggle and are willing to be honest with you, they will be ministered to. They will say, I, I, yeah, I struggle too. I have that problem too. And then we can find, we can find uh, comfort with one another on this journey of faith because we're not alone. And every person where they pretend not to have issues, um, we all do. It's just mm-hmm. the reality. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Well, that kind of leads into my question about how your own journey brought about your ministry, Trokia, because this um, this podcast is about how God turns our pain into purpose, that nothing is wasted. And it just seems like your ministry is a perfect example of that. So just love yes. to hear about it and what, what made you start it? So when I was in seminary, because again, I felt called to write and, and I, how am I going to do this? I ended up in seminary, a little long story, but um, I was learning so much and I thought, I can't keep all this to myself. I want to tell the world, but where do I do this? And at that time, Facebook had just started and I thought, oh, I'll do some social media things. That wasn't enough. And so I decided to start a blog and then that blog turned into a whole like mindset of discipleship for my husband and I. And so we started this ministry, Trochia Ministries, which is a discipleship ministry for young leaders who want to walk this life of integrity with Jesus. And so because we had failed with our integrity, we wanted to help others um, kind of find their way out of that pattern. And so, yeah, I, I in the middle of the seminary, I thought I'm going to start this and because I just couldn't stand anymore. I couldn't keep receiving from God and not pouring it out to others. And that then turned into me becoming a teacher and a pastor. And it's just, I can't believe the journey that I'm in today where we are ministering to thousands of people uh, online or in person, uh, helping them grow on the journey of faith and faithfully uh, walk with Jesus. So it's amazing. Mm. Ah. It's amazing. So with that and all you've experienced, um, what has what have you learned about the character of God through mm. all of this? When I sign my book to people, they ask me to autograph it. I write on it, he is for you. Mm. And you know, that beautiful song, right? That says he is for you. And I love that they repeat that line over and over again, because so often in our brokenness, it's easy for us to think God has given up on us. Like, ah, oh, he's just tired of my nonsense. He's like, I obviously am a hopeless case because that's what we do with other people. You know, when they don't get their act together, we're like, we have only so much compassion and we're done, but that's not how God operates. And so the biggest lesson I, I and the biggest message in my brain, and I want to share that with others is God is for you. He really, really is for you. And that's such a good thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I, that so resonates with me. I love that from Psalm 56, this I know that God is for me. And then yeah. Romans 8, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so that so resonates. And I think for everybody listening, recognizing that like God is for us because we often do think God is against us. 
Amen. And nothing yeah, can be true. farther from the and truth. And my passage so. that I have on for this is Deuteronomy 31, 8. I'm the one that goes before you. I will never leave you or forsake you, right? And that picture of God never, ever, 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 ever leaving us, ever. Um, he's not only for us today, he is for us forever. He's going ahead of us. And that is so comforting, so deeply comforting. Mm, amen. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's got to be encouraging for people. Just recognizing no matter where they are right now, God is for them. Yes. Um, so I just would love to just kind of change gears for a second and just hear about your, your life now, your marriage, you have a blended family. Just want to know, like, how has that process been? And, and what has God taught you through that journey? Yes, I get to experience grace and I get to learn to offer grace because we are blended. Jim came with two daughters. I came with a son and two daughters. And then our oldest, Jim's daughters got married. Um, they married men who had children. And so they also have um, stepchildren. So we have like steps and halves and adopted. I mean, our family is super complicated. That's why we call ourselves the smoothie family. So even just in our nucleus of our family, uh, I've, you know, we have dealt with the consequences of how we started. It took years for me to build relationship with Jim's daughters, uh, an authentic relationship where they felt they could trust me. Um, and uh, it took years for Jim's ex-wife to heal from the wound that she experienced, right? That was a deep, deep wound for her. Um, it took years for me to recover from um, the past relationships and all that that I brought into our marriage. I had to, I had to grow. I had to heal from some things in order for me to be, be a, a, a wife now and, and a wife that would stay and, and have, have a long-term marriage. And these have been things that we have had to grow through and still do. Uh, the realities I still do. Um, consequences don't go away. And so I, I look at them now as reminders of, hey, this is why we shouldn't do these things. This is why God doesn't want us to live in sin because it creates so much pain for us and for others. Um, so I think consequences are important and they take me back to Jesus. They take me back to, okay, Lord, help me here. Help me here. I don't know what to do in this situation. And so uh, our family is amazing. If you, if you got to meet us, if you saw us all together, you would like, you would be blown away of how God has healed and, and, and put us together. Um, so there's a lot of beauty and a lot of redemption. I mean, including Jim's ex-wife, where we are in family gatherings together and she's now remarried and we, we are able to be, I, I don't want to say friends, but we're able to be very comfortable in the same social setting and love on our children together and kind of co-parent as a group. And that's really beautiful. And it's not the way God intended, but God, like I said, doesn't waste anything. And so, yeah, we live in that sort of, that's why we call it smoothie in a bit of a mess, but a beautiful mess. Hey friend, tens of thousands of people receive hope through their headphones each week by listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. But we know as well as most people that healing doesn't happen simply by listening to inspiring stories. In fact, you have to engage in deeper relational community with like-minded people who are also struggling through the journey and 
you have to apply the practical tools and truths that you're learning from those who have gone before you. I mean, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter seven. He said, those who listen to my words and put them into practice will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The storms will come, but the house won't fall. It's information plus application that leads to transformation, which is why we've created the Nothing Is Wasted Community Plus platform, an ecosystem of content that you can consume through the power of targeted community. Never again will you have to say that no one understands what you're going through because through Community Plus, we're bringing you both the people who quote unquote get it and the content that will help you journey through it. For just $20 a month or $200 a year with your Community Plus membership, you'll receive access to our extensive library of bonus content, including bonus podcast episodes and on-demand mini courses, access to all of our curated pathways in their entirety, on-demand replay access to all exclusive events, masterclasses, live coaching, webinars, immediate access to the Position for Redemption mini course, which is normally $97, discounts on all Nothing Is Wasted products, events, and coaching. And if you choose the annual plan, you get two months for free. Now, here's the deal. What's even better is that since Nothing Is Wasted Ministries is a nonprofit organization, Community Plus membership is tax deductible. That's right. We'll send you a statement at the end of the year and you can report that on your taxes. I believe Community Plus will be such a helpful tool for you in your pain to purpose journey that I want to give you a seven day trial for free by signing up today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. If you're ready to partner with God to take back your story, get the resources you need to help along the way. Through encouragement and practical steps, the Community Plus platform is what you are looking for in navigating your pain to purpose journey. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash community plus and sign up now. Join others who are finding hope and healing. So I'm guessing there's people listening whose families are blended and they're probably maybe struggling with how do I, how do I get that good relationship? How long did it take? Um, Sort of what did you do in the midst of like, probably they were pretty resentful at you, um, yes. Jim's daughters yeah. at first. How did you navigate that? And what advice would you give to somebody? Yes, I would say I absorbed a lot of pain. So our human tendency is to hit back or to pull away. Certainly that was my typical motto. If, if you hurt me, okay, I can cut you off, right? I, I was abandoned by a father. I know abandonment. I know how to give it back. So if you're going to hurt me, I'm just going to cut you off. That, that was my motto before Christ. But this time I, I was absolutely intent on not running away and rather asking Jesus for help. And it was very painful for many years. I mean, the first two years of our marriage were brutal. And in fact, a third marriage and a marriage starting in an affair, the statistics of a marriage like ours succeeding is so low. It doesn't even hit 1%. It's so low, statistically speaking. And usually it falls apart in the first two years. And we had every possibility of it breaking down because it was so painful and so hard. And so, but Jesus, uh, truly just trusting, trusting, trusting in Jesus and praying a lot, a lot and absorbing people's pain instead of 
hitting them back with it and showing love and praying for them and asking God for how to do. I had a conflict with our oldest and the Lord gave me this picture to meet with her and bring with me an olive branch. And so I went and cut an olive branch from a tree in a neighborhood and made a little brown reef. And when I met with her, I put it in the center of the table and I said, my heart seeks for peace between us. I don't really know how we're going to get there, but that's what I want. And do you want that? And how can we work towards that? Even if it means I know we can never be, you know, like this amazing relationship, but can we can we move from where we're at? You know, what, what does that take? And she was blown away and we both cried a lot. <laughs> and be willing to hear someone tell you their pain. Like, this is how you hurt me. This is what I lost because of your actions. That's what I mean by absorbing pain. They're going, like really receiving that and saying, okay, I'm going to sit with you in your grief, knowing that I was the cause of that grief. Um, that gives people a sense of like being seen and being understood that then can begin, it's, it's a good ground for relationship. Now, some people can't, they can't get through it. And then, you know, we have to show them grace. I'm grateful our daughter, my two stepdaughters have gone through that process and we have a really beautiful relationship. And I would say about almost nine years into our relationship, they, they told me that they love me and they still do today. So, but look at nine years, seven mm -hmm. to nine years of that wasn't the case. It took time. It takes time and intentionality and patience and all the fruit, you know, the, the, the total fruit of the spirit, right? Uh, just, just constantly relying on God and believing that God can restore just about anything. And he mm. can yeah. But it does take time, right? I mean, it I think sometimes we want instant, and if there's not yeah. restoration right away, we think, okay, we need to give up our efforts. And yet, yeah. often, I mean, God is content to work by degrees over time. And very we want true. It right now. <laughs> and also, so we need to, we need to, we need to be patient with people with their journey and how far they're willing to go. A lot of times, you know, I know I did this sometimes, I rushed. I try to rush them and we need, we need to help pray for them, pray for ourselves, but also let them move at their pace um, instead of our pace. So, mm. yeah. And how old were they when, um, when 20, you guys got married? Yeah, 20 and 21. So they were, they were in college, which, you know, we think, oh, they're adult. It should be easier. It is not. It is not. Divorce is hard at any season in our lives. And uh, it was extremely painful for them. And, you know, they're, they're out in college. They're starting their, their lives. The foundation was their home, right? Even though they like so happy to leave home, but at the same time, that's a foundation. And when that foundation fell apart, it, it threw them both into quite a bit of turmoil. And so, yeah, it was painful, very painful mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. So I'd even like to just drill down practically. Like, did you wait for them to come to you? Did you go towards them? So I did different things for each of them because again, you go at people's pace. So for, for example, for Jim's ex-wife, I wrote her a letter. And in the letter, I confessed my sin to her. I, I did not minimize it. I, I told her what I did was wrong, selfish, um, that I had low character in my choices and that I did sin against God and, and I harmed her, I, you know? And so, and I was 
deeply sorry for that. And I wish I could go back and undo. We are now married. It's like, how are we going to do, undo all this? There's no way you can undo things sometimes. I wish I could if I had to do it all over again, but I can't. And I, and I, and I pray for her. So I wrote this letter to her and she responded and she agreed to meet with me. Actually, I told her at any time, if you want to meet with me, because I know we want to co-parent the children well and be be faithful grandparents and be, a, be there at all those important events in their lives. And so how do we do that well? And what whatever it takes, I'm willing to to do the work. And she said, I'll meet with you. And she met with me at the Huntington Beach Pier at the end of the pier. And I thought she was going to throw me over, which she had every right to do. <laughs> and But instead we cried and we held each other. And, you know, she was so honest with me. She told me everything she lost and how much I hurt her. And and we just cried and cried and cried. And um, and then she said, but I forgive you, you know, and, and I want to work on this. And it took her years, but it she was very intentional of, in forgiving again and again and again, because her heart and her pain would come back up and it would be hard to forgive again. And uh, it's we've been on the journey. With the girls, one of them reached out to me right away. She wanted to know my intentions. Why was I doing this with her dad? And uh, so she, one of them, I met with her, uh, gosh, like, within weeks of him telling them. And I sat in that lunch, just shocked of her questions and her sharing her heart. And I just took her cue. She moved pretty quickly through it. The other one didn't talk to us for a year. She disconnected completely and she was so angry and so hurt. And so with her, we waited on her timing. And I would tell Jim regularly, send her a message, send her an email, write her a note, call her, tell her you love her, you love her, you love her. Your relationship with her is the most important. Um, her and I, we will have a journey of our own, but you cannot let go of your relationship with your daughter. You have to pursue her. And I guess that was the side of me that had a father that did not pursue me, that rejected me and left me. And I felt like, mm, this is making me emotional. You cannot reject your daughter simply because she's hurt. And so you have to pursue her. And I'm so grateful because he was pretty angry at her for her way she was acting, but, and he was hurt too, but he did, he pursued her. And I think she felt so loved by that and their relationship began to heal. And as that healed, then there was an opening for me to build relationship with her. And then finally, one day she said, I'll meet with you. And we did, we met. And I remember at that time she was smoking cigarettes and we sat outside of a restaurant. She was like, I gotta smoke a cigarette before we go in there. She was so nervous. And I tell you, I don't smoke cigarettes, but that day I wanted to smoke one too. <laughs> you know, but we had a very honest conversation. And then, and then again, it was, it has been a journey and um, with time. So every person that we deal with where we have a broken, relationship it's a different path we shouldn't there's no cookie cutter you've got to walk with each person individually and figure out what is it going to work what is going to work um, to solve our breakdown yeah there is no cookie cutter yeah because we yeah. all want the formula and yet yeah. it's being sensitive to the holy spirit and praying mm -hmm. and seeing that and just i love the fact that even though that super painful childhood for you of rejection by your father is really what God used to to push your husband to redeem his relationship with his daughter, yeah. which shows once again that God doesn't waste anything. And Amen. so our painful past for people who are listening with really painful past, recognizing God is going to use that in ways you may not 
recognize right away, but more compassionate to to understand what people are going through, even in different circumstances, but what right. the pain of not having a father around feeling rejected for whatever reason um, is so deep. And I love- I'm, I'm love crying right that. now. <laughs> I'm crying yeah, right now. It's I so mean, beautiful. Yeah. How God has yeah. done that is true. True. Yeah. Just how God uses it all. And, and just the- the way that God has brought you on this journey of grace so you can offer grace to other people. I think, you know, we are recipients of grace, understand what we've been forgiven and God's patience with us. So we can be patient over nine years saying, okay, we may not have a relationship right now, but I can keep praying for you. I can keep showing you Jesus and I can wait. Yeah. Which is such a beautiful example. So, uh, what would you say, and we talked about this a little bit before, but just to somebody who's um, feels like their path is not going the, hasn't gone the way that they wanted it to do, to go, why does spiritual formation and discipleship matter so much in our journey with Jesus as, as we look at the path we're on and the path we are going on? Yes, yes, because... We are all, again, fallible. We tend to self-deceive. We we tend to stray from the path. It is just a human condition. And uh, I do believe that spiritual practices, which by the way, we, we all do. Prayer is a spiritual practice, going to church, worship, being in community, being generous, showing gratitude. Those are spiritual practices. In my book, I share a few others that people perhaps are not as familiar with. Things like Lectio Divina, or which is to really reflect in scripture in a particular way or, or practicing the presence of God, imagining that God is actually sitting right next to them or sitting in the room with them or walking with them. Uh, these might be a little bit more new to some, but this that is sort of this idea of constantly remembering that we are in a nurturing relationship with our Heavenly Father. We invest in our human relationships, right? We spend time together. We go for the, we go to a park, we're a beach, we go out to dinner. We invest because we know we receive a great deal of joy out of that. And so spiritual practices are ways for us to invest time in our relationship with God, not to earn His love, not to earn His favor. That's all done by Jesus on the cross. We are, we are saved by grace alone, but to grow in our relationship with God. And the deeper we have that relationship, the better we are at hearing His voice and having the wisdom to obey it and the wisdom to apply it into our lives. And so over time, God will you know, transform us. Even just sitting down and reading scripture, like goodness, some of the Bible books are a little hard to read, right? Like, you know, there's the, the you know, for example, in Chronicles, you got the son of this and the son of that, these genealogies that go on forever or measurements of the temple. We're like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I'm not an engineer or constructing the person. I don't understand this, but making space to be in at the feet of Jesus essentially is what that is. It's like, you're just, you're reading scripture, but you're really sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that presence of God brings healing, brings wisdom, brings encouragement, brings hope, and it is transforming us from the inside out. We don't even know it. You know, it's like we drink, we eat broccoli, for example. We know broccoli is good for us. We don't quite know how, but we know it's good for us. It's the same way. The Bible is good for us, even if we don't fully understand how God's working on it. So if you feel like, oh, I'm not where I want to be or I should be by now, 
just be at the feet of Jesus every day. Use every practice you could imagine that would work. And they're all very easy to do anywhere. You can be driving to work and you think, okay, Jesus is sitting here in the passenger seat. I'm going to have a conversation with Jesus. Turn off the radio and talk to Jesus. And uh, you know, you can, you can do it anywhere. You can pray anywhere. You can be grateful anywhere. These are not things that you have to add space in your day. You can put it as you go all day long. That's what I need to do to stay humble, to stay reminded of the truth of God, to stay on the path with Jesus. Uh, and I don't think there's any other way really for us. We need that. We all need that. Yeah, I so agree. I love the idea of just even being in the car, talking to Jesus, because we're going to stay on the path when we know Jesus is holding our hand. But if we're mm -hmm. not aware of his presence, it, it changes what we think about what to do next on the, yeah. uh, you know, which which path do I take or what do I do? And just this constant communion with Jesus really gives us a, a sense that we are on the right path. Not that yeah. he's going to let us stray off necessarily, but but when you're walking with him, there's that confidence, which is, yeah. which is exciting. Um, so I totally agree with that. So yeah. just one last question, Ines. Um, what has redemption looked like in your story? Hmm. So many ways, right? The redemption, the beautiful picture of our smoothie family. We're about to go on a family vacation here at the end of April. We do this every other year. And every time it blows my mind. Here we are together despite how hard it has been. So redemption relationally. Redemption in an omission sense in that God is is indeed using every part of my story and my willingness to be obedient to Him to bring hope to others and encourage others, to bring people to Himself, to shine His glory. That constantly blows my mind. Um, and redemption in the healing that I see happening in other people, including people that I have hurt, watching how God is healing them as He has healed me. And their own stories of redemption are rippling effects into the lives of others. And so there's this beautiful, you know, in, in the creation account, God said, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. And redemption is an act of multiplying and filling the earth with God's goodness and creating God's goodness. And so I see that all over. Um, yeah, the beautiful story of everything that's happened in my life, God's using. It's mm. incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, God yeah. Is, is using our mistakes. You know, I love yeah. the fact that, you know, the people that you hurt, God is redeeming that. Yeah. Sometimes we think, oh, God redeems the things that have been done to us as we turn to Him. You know, He He redeems our disease or any of those things. Which He does, which but, He does, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes we don't put the people that we've hurt in that category, that God is using that for a big story in their lives. And so yes. what a what a beautiful way just to even end this is is recognizing nothing is wasted. Nothing in our lives, God uses it all. So thank Praise you God. so much, Ines, for, for joining us today, joining me. I have so enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, thank you. It's truly a pleasure. God bless you. God bless you too. Man, 
Benita, what a great conversation. Oh, I I totally agree. It just opened my eyes to so many things. And as we had just talked about a few minutes ago, just shame is such an important thing for the church to understand. It is. Because I think we can, as Christians, sometimes think once somebody's become a Christian or, or Christians are victims, like we talk about how mm. we've been hurt and we forgive, and yet we need to talk about when we have hurt people, how do we find so God's grace in that? So good. I think it's so important to remember. I mean, a lot of Jesus's teaching, right? I mean, you think about he's he's pointing us back to the plank in our own eye rather than pointing the speck out in somebody. And that's what gives us grace. When we recognize that we are human, that we are very much in need of God's grace, we are then able to turn around and grant that or be a conduit of God's grace and forgiveness for other people so much more. It's like when we know where we've come from, we're like, man, I've got a lot of empathy and grace for other people too, because it's so that's so important for us to remember. And I think we can get so... Uh, we can begin to get self-righteous as we grow in our relationship with Christ. Isn't it weird how that happens? The enemy, get, like he really tries to deceive us or trick us into becoming self-righteous. Like we were the ones that got us to this place. And so now we look down our nose on other people who maybe have wronged us or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so convicting to me, Davey, um, just even interviewing Ines, because I was convicted about the fact that, you know, my ex-husband had an affair. So I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm the victim. And just in interviewing her, just realizing like she she did have an affair. She did mm. wrong someone. And yet God has used her life so beautifully. And yet mm. I think a lot of people listening, if you know, who are listening to this podcast even feel like, wow, I don't know if I want to listen to her or wanted to listen wow. to her because I've been wronged. I get how that feels. Wow. And um, we were talking right before this about how we want to know whose fault it is in divorce often. You know, whether mm. we ask it or don't ask it, we're thinking, hey, did, did yeah. you want this? Were you the victim? Yep. What, what happened here? And if it's the person who's the victim, we're all ears like, how did you heal? How did you forgive? How did you do that? Mm. And then if it's somebody who really initiated it through their own sinful actions, which she would would admit were what happened with hers, we, we don't want to hear them. And yeah. um, that is so against what God would want us to do because we're all saved by grace. And yet, you know, we just talked about the fact that wow. in John 9, the disciples um, are passing a blind man and they say to Jesus, who sinned this mm. man or his parents that yep. he was born yep. blind? That's our first question. Wow. Who sinned? Who, Who did something wrong here? We got to figure wow. this out. And our culture wow. is so about that. Like who's messed up here and we are going yep. to ignore them and listen to the person that we see as the victim. Yeah. And we're all we perpetrators. So, we're so and we're binary. All yes. Yeah, we're so binary in that. I mean, a lot of it I'm sure has to do with the, just the way our culture is going with this. We're, we're extreme, the, the polar extremes of conversations with politics and with issues and places, you know, and so we become, we can slip into that in our own Christianity, this Western version of it, where we begin to say like, who, all right, who was, who's the villain in this and who is the victim? Yes. And man, we need to recognize our temptation to do that. Yeah. Because that is, that is kind of embedded in our, our storyline or our narrative in Western Christianity is, all right, who's the villain? Who's the victim? And I'm going to dismiss the villain because they are, you know, they're evil, they're bad. They like, and, I, and we're going to really care for the victim. 
Truth is, is it's a lot more complex than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we don't hear more from people like Ines, then people who have wronged somebody, they feel like they have no place in the church. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're the one that did something wrong, then you feel like I've just got to sit in the back. And that's what she said. You know, for years, it was like, I don't have a place to speak Hmm. even. And I think there's so many people that have hurt other people that are sitting in the church thinking, I can't, I can't admit that. Like nobody's going to want me to speak or teach because I've done something. Hmm. And so bringing out God's freedom and forgiveness that we forget we are all here because of the cross, because we are sinners. And we forget that when we go to church and it's like, we're the good people, you know, we're all kind of the Pharisees and we're looking down on the tax collectors and Jesus is saying, look, the tax collector is a lot closer to me. And so I think her story is so important to hear God uses um, our sin and our shame and uses all those things. And we take those to the cross. So I was just so moved by that about how we untangle our shame and Mm. see that God is going to use us. Because there's people listening today, Davey, that are probably like, God's not going to use me if Mm. they only knew what I did. Right. It's like, wow, Jesus does. And he wants to use you. Think about the apostle Paul. Mm. Think how much shame he had to feel. I mean, we see a glimpse of it when... As, an, as his advocate, Barnabas comes forward and tells the rest of the leader, Peter and some of the rest of the leaders of the church, like, hey, I can vouch for this guy, right? Yeah. Like he's a changed man. But think about how they're looking at him. They're going, dude, you're the one that, that um, approved of the, the, the murder of our friend, Stephen. Like you're the one that, you, I mean, this happened on your watch. And so how distrusting they would be how angry would they would be, how judgmental they would be. And Paul was given a chance by them. He was given a ton of grace. And, um, you know, initially not so, but Barnabas stuck up and said, hey, I can vouch for this guy. He's a changed man. And then look at the ministry, the impact that Paul had. Had Paul been stuck in that shame, we wouldn't, I mean, we the church wouldn't be where it is today, right? We wouldn't have the canon of scripture in the way that we have it. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament. And so, I say that for a couple of reasons. One, if if God can use Paul, he can use you. Yes. Right? Paul killed Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, come on. Like there's, we've done some bad things, but many of us listening to this, most of us, we've not killed Christians. Right. Right. And so if God can use Paul, he can use you as well. He's not He's not done with you. You don't have to sit in the back recesses of the church. And I, and I understand, like, I know you're feeling so much shame, like now I can't be used, but no, that's not that's not true. I want to rebuke that as a lie from the enemy. But I also say that because I think there are a lot of people listening to this conversation that I want to call to be Barnabases. Mm. Because as Barnabas is, Barnabas was a healer there. When someone else looks over your sin and they see your potential and they see what God is doing in you, it begins to unravel that shame in you. Yeah. And for many of us, we need to be the Barnabases in other people's lives. Amen, yeah. That's such a good word. I think when we see people's gifts and we see what God, the you know, we can often see what people can't see themselves. And yeah. and as talks about that, like somebody had to point out to her, you need to use your voice because you have mm. something important to say. And mm. I think often we can really be that and do that for somebody. Yeah, um, yeah, it's so good. 
And I think the other thing is we should not be the elder brother. Like, you know, the story of the prodigal, like why are they getting this ministry? We've been the ones who are faithful. And I think we in the church can feel that way. Like, well, we were faithful to God. This person was out living a wild life. They shouldn't have a platform. And and God is the one who anoints people and calls people like Paul. And so just remembering that, that God is the one who does this and calls Mm. people to ministry and- so don't feel like uh, they led a pretty wild life before this. So right. I should be the one to have the spotlight. Um, wow, that's a good word, Vanitha. That's a good word. Well, yeah, I mean, we're praying for, as you're listening to this, guys, we're praying for a community of people who are wounded healers. Mm-hmm. You've been wounded yourself. And so because of that, you have been touched by the grace of God and many times in our own stories through other people. And so be, so because of that, you can then pay that forward, that your, your pain is being turned around into purpose in other people's lives. And now you're helping to heal other people. You're helping to call out the potential in other people. You're not looking at the other person's life and their calling and their platform with, with resentment, as Vanitha is saying. You're, you're looking at their life and you're celebrating with them. And sometimes I think God will do those things intentionally to root out some of that stuff in our lives. We'll have someone in our life that we're like, how are they? I should be there or what? I think there are times that God does that intentionally just because he's trying to destroy an idol mm. in our own life that we're doing it for the wrong reasons or we're trying to. So I, I just, man, I, this was such a great, Vanitha, I'm so grateful that you had this conversation with her because that was such a needed, timely message for each one of us. So good. Yeah, so I mean, I feel like her book, Uncharted, Navigating Your Unique Journey of Faith is is just a great reminder that we all have a different journey. And, and her journey looks very different from other people's, but kind of encouraging us, like wherever God has brought you from, yeah, He can really um, use you in huge ways. Don't have to look at somebody else's path and say, oh, yeah. I made so many mistakes, I can't be on a good path. Because as you pointed out, Davey, Paul says, I was the chief of sinners. And from what you look at what he did, he really was. And yet there's nobody God used more powerfully in in scripture. So So good. That's so good. Well, we'd love to help you as you're navigating your own unique pain journey. Uh, We have so many resources at nothingiswasted.com. And sometimes it's difficult to wade through those resources and figure out where do I start. And so, if you're trying to figure out where do I start, where, you know, what, what's my first step? Maybe you're new to the podcast and uh, you're curious about that. I host a Zoom call, usually twice a month, sometimes just once a month, but it's called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story. Um, no matter what you've gone through, and this is a live Zoom call. It's me, you know, interacting with you. It's it's the Lord shows up in some powerful ways. It's just really a, a special time. And I do a little bit of teaching. We talk a little bit about how Nothing Is Wasted came about. And then I also give you five steps that you can take right now to taking back your story. We open up the hood on several resources that we have, whether it's our curated pathways, whether it's our pain to purpose course, the devotional, coaching, our community platform, all the things that we have right there at nothingiswasted.com to help you on your journey and meet you right where you're at, take you where God wants you to be. And so I would love to invite you to join us on our next Zoom call, Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story. No matter what you've gone through, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. It's going to be right there in your show notes as a link, also under this YouTube page. And uh, next week, I'm excited about our conversation with Lily Meshke. Before I tell you a little bit about her, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can 
download and stream all of his music wherever you can download and stream music. It's incredible music, especially if you're trying to get into a space of writing or thinking or spending time with the... I mean, he's just a wonderful musician. And um, so we want to thank Sleeping at Last for that. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Follow me at Davey Blackburn. You can follow Vanitha at Vanitha Reisner. And uh, Vanitha, you're going to be back with us for one more episode. I'm really excited about that. And uh, hopefully you're going to be around doing doing this a little bit more with us. Yeah, I'd to, love to. I'm excited to uh, have you as a part of um, our Nothing Is Wasted Voices. And so uh, next week we have, I got to tell you about this, uh, Lily Meshke, she is incredible. She is kind of a spokesperson for Iran Alive Ministries. And they are helping specifically women and children in Iran. It is not just women and children, but that is the main populace of the people they're helping because they are the ones that are under the thumb of uh, you know men, especially oppressive men in Iran. And they have this incredible platform where they're broadcasting the truth of God's word into this country. And so... I can't wait for you guys to listen to this conversation that I have with her. I'll give you a little sneak peek right now. And next week, you got to join Vanitha and I. We're going to talk a little bit more about what God is doing actually as we're looking at doing some partnership with Iran Alive Ministries. You're going to want to make sure you tune in for that. Here's a little clip from my conversation with Lily Meshke. But something told me, sit there and just let her share with you whatever it is that she wants to share with you. So I, we basically sat right there by the door. She opened her Farsi Bible and she started reading to me from John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm. Wow. So when she finished reading these two verses, I just, I'm uncontrollably at this point, tears are just rolling down my cheeks. I had an experience right then and there. I just knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus was my Lord and Savior. Now, I want you and your audience to know that I had no prior knowledge about Jesus up until this point. Growing up Mm -hmm. in Iran, in schools, we were taught that Jesus, among so many other prophets like Mohammed, Moses, and, you know, Daniel, everyone else was just a prophet. And he was one of the greatest prophets like Moses, who performed many, many miracles. So that's the only thing that I knew about Jesus. We regarded him as a prophet in in my Islamic faith. And so when when, when tears started rolling down my cheeks, I looked at this girl and I said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. She didn't even ask me to Mm. say any of that. But there was this knowing that the Holy Spirit revealed to me right then and there that Jesus was my Lord and Savior prior to knowing any of the apologetics, His divinity, Him being Son of God, Son of Man, none of that. I just knew. I just knew that the Holy Spirit revealed to me that Jesus was the way. 